the circumstances of how I'm here are not ideal, right? Because your pastor's sick, but it is still wonderful to be here with you. And it's just really wonderful to hear some of the things, some of the stories that I'm hearing uh, regarding uh, your church and the season ahead of you. So, yeah, great to be with you today. I'll be sharing from Mark chapter 4. So I'll be reading the passage if you'd like to follow along. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through to 20. And the Bible reads, Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat, sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where this word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but in, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Amen. One of the mysteries of ministry is you can never tell how the gospel is received. You never tell who are the ones who are going to grow. And so very often it is such a surprise. The ones that you think, yeah, look, that person's going to get it. That person's going to start stepping up and serving and, you know, the gifts are going to start coming in and they're just going to be on fire. And it doesn't happen, right? And then there's someone that maybe you don't pay attention to or you, you don't know why they're here. They've walked in from the street after shopping at the chase maybe, but for some reason, they just keep coming, you know? And you don't know why. They don't know why. But then they do membership. They join a small group. Suddenly, they're involved. And they go, I want to get baptized. We just never know. It's one of these mysteries where we see 
how different people respond to the news about Jesus. And this mystery is somewhat explained a little bit in this story. And I'm sure many of you know this all too well. Because it is one of those well-known parables. And it's one of the few that Jesus actually explains. Which makes my job easier today. So we see the scene. It's the beginning of his ministry. He's out and there's a large crowd. They're out to see him. They're out to hear him. They're hoping that he might do some miracles. And so he gets into a boat. And the reason he gets into a boat, because it doesn't really explain it, but those of you science guys will know that sound bounces off the water. So by going out into a boat and going a little bit off the shore, he can preach and that word will travel further to the people who are sitting on this, uh, beside the sea on the land. And then he begins to teach them. And it says that he was teaching them in parables. And that just means something that comes alongside, a story or illustration that comes alongside. And it's one of those things where even now scholars debate, well, are parables supposed to have just one point or could they have like many points? Is it allegorical? Is it metaphorical? There's, there's still a little bit of discussion on those things. But it's safe to know that there is one main point at least. And here, what is the main point? Well, the main point is in the first word before he tells the story. And that's the main point for you and I tonight. The main point is listen. That's all it is. It's listen. Can you say that with me? Listen. Because many of us, right, we go to church often. And it comes inside. It's all happening on a biological level. And then as soon as we leave, someone says, how was church days? That's all right. Oh, what was the sermon about? We didn't listen, right? We didn't. We thought we did, but we didn't. So Jesus told this story. And it's a story that's not that unusual for a agrarian society. It's a society where many of them are subsistence living, right? Besides the merchants and maybe a few of those who are involved in military or special affairs, everyone else is involved, right? With subsistence living, farming and fishing, things like that. And how do you, how do, you do this? You sow and you have to harvest. And one of those interesting things is you can either work the soil and sow, or you can, in this case, probably sow the seeds and then work the soil. And this is why, you know, you might think, why would he, why would he sow on the path or why would he sow on the rocky ground? But it's because that perhaps there was a little bit of a difference where the sowing happened first and then the soil was worked. And invariably, when you work the soil, you would see, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit shallow over there. That's a bit thorny over there, but it's already too late. Anyway, when Jesus tells this story about some seed falling on the path and the birds eating it, some seed falling on the rocky ground, and it's springing up quickly, right? Because the seed can sprout through a shorter distance. But there's no depth, and so the sun scorches the plant, and the root system is unable to bring moisture through to survive. 
Again, thorns or weeds that grow with the plant, making the plant unable to mature properly. And of course, the good stuff, the soil that produces yield. So they're familiar with this, except for the last bit, because when you see in verse 8, a yield of 30-fold or a 60-fold or 100-fold is not a typical yield. It is what you call a bumper crop or a miracle crop. If you're familiar with Genesis, there's a passage where Isaac sows, and because the Lord was with him, he yielded a hundredfold. Normally in Palestine, you'd be happy with tenfold. That's a good year. So this is miraculous harvest. So he tells this story. Most of it they're familiar with. The yield, oh, that's a bit unusually high. And then he says, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. Let him hear. Listen. Use your ears. He wants people to understand what he's saying. Now, this is a crowd of people. But as we see, when he's alone, many of them didn't understand. Because the 12 and those around him, so there's not just the 12, there's others who are part of the inner entourage, but they haven't been given the term sent ones. Right? That's especially for the 12. But there are others who are closely following along. And they asked him, Jesus, what are you saying? Why did you tell this story? What do you mean? And he said to them, to you, to you guys who are with me, has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. And this is one of those tricky things. What do, what do we mean by secret here? And, you know, when we think about secret, we think about something we need to hide and to protect and to keep hidden. But in the Bible, this word secret is talking about something that God is now in his time making known, right? So this secret is coming out to be known. And what is this secret that, had, that has been revealed to them? And even they don't know what it is, but what Jesus is saying, the reason why Jesus is saying the secret has been given to them is because he's in their company. The very secret is what? That the Messiah isn't just some special human being. The promised one who will save God's people, who will restore the covenant of God. It's not just some kingly figure or some mosaic prophet. It's the son of God. That's the secret. And so no one understands. No one gets it right now. In fact, it will take ages for those even closest to him to fully appreciate what that is. But he says, for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, unless they should turn and be forgiven. And if you look at that on the surface, it sounds like Jesus doesn't want them to understand, doesn't want them to get it, doesn't want them to be forgiven. It sounds like Jesus doesn't care. Why would he quote this passage? And so when we look at the Old Testament and the context of this passage, 
we understand why Jesus quotes Isaiah. This is from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. It is a chapter that speaks about Isaiah's call to ministry. He has an amazing vision of the glorious throne of God. And God commissions him as a prophet. Now, Isaiah's ministry is towards the back end of the divided kingdom of Israel. In a few short generations, both were the northern kingdom earlier, but the southern kingdom will also be taken captive and into exile. And so what God is saying is God is deliberately sending Isaiah to an obstinate and hard-hearted people. God, is, God knows they won't listen to him. God knows they will reject his messenger, but he's sending him anyway. Why? Because by rejecting Isaiah, the judgment that God brings upon them will be completely justified. Everything that God does to his people, they have no right to cry foul. God, that's not fair. God, why didn't you warn us? They can't say that. Why? Because God did warn them through his prophet. And so God does this through Isaiah. And all of God's people in Jesus' time would be familiar with this quote and would be thinking, when God sends a prophet to us, we must not be like our forefathers. We must see and perceive. We must hear and understand. We must turn and be forgiven. That would be on the mind of all the faithful Jews of the land. Let us not be like our forefathers who rejected Isaiah. We must not be like that. So by deliberately quoting this, Jesus is challenging their very commitment to do this and is putting himself in the position of that messenger. What are you going to do? Are you going to do to my message? And are you going to do to me what you did to Isaiah? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because at the end of the day, while some did receive Jesus, by the part, most of them, including the leaders, did the same thing to Jesus that the forefathers did to Isaiah. So that's what it means. Jesus wants them to listen. It doesn't mean Jesus doesn't want them to. Jesus is deliberately quoting Isaiah to call them to not be like their forefathers. He then explains this story. So there are four soils, but the word remains the same. The message remains the same. Please don't get tempted into thinking that the problem with the message is how it's packaged or how it's explained or how it's delivered. No, the power of the message is found in the truth of the message. Amen? He says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? There are many stories that Jesus told. But this parable is particular because this parable is a parable about how Jesus and his parables are received. It's a parable about how Jesus' teaching will be received. And here we see these four soils. And the first one, it's a hard-hearted reception or a hard-hearted heart. 
the word is sown and they hear it, Satan immediately comes and takes the word away. Satan can't take the word away from seed that has gone through, right? But seed or the word that lies exposed, rejected, unreceived, right? You don't really listen to it. You're not interested. You, you have a rebellious spirit. And Satan will say, thank you, I'll take that away from you. It's a hard-hearted response to the message of God. The next soil we see is rocky. There is an immediate joy that is received. And so sometimes this can fool us, right? It, it, gets, it can excite a church when we see such amazing response. But after many years, we have learnt, or I have learnt, to be tempered, to be excited, but to be cautious. Because so often, that initial response dissipates as quickly as it began. The problem is, it is a shallow response. The problem is, a, it's a shallow heart. And so, tribulation and persecution quickly will take care of that response. It's, maybe you could call it fair weather faith. We come to the third one. Sown amongst the thorns. If the thorns weren't there, everything else is good. The soil is good. But the thorns are there. And so the thorns and the seed compete for the person's heart. It is a compromised heart. It is a divided heart. But look at what Jesus talks about particularly. Cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desires for other things. And I think those three things we can look at a little bit individually, particularly within a church context. The cares of the world. They're not necessarily things that you shouldn't care about. It's natural to care about your family. It's natural to care about your career, where you will live, what you will eat, where you will go. But the cares of the world cannot sit in the same place of your heart as the Lord of the world. This is a compromised heart. Deceitfulness of riches. Do you remember, those of you who are working, right? Those of you who are students, don't worry. Well, you guys had a bumper year, those, those students on youth allowance, right? Like government came in for you, you know? Those of you who are working, do you remember the first year you started working full time? You started paying for things, started paying for your friend's food maybe, you know, buy some new clothes. How did money change you? How did money give you more confidence, give you more security? 
Because what is the deceitfulness of riches? Money will solve my problems. Money can fix the things that I need to fix. Money will help me get a relationship. Money will give me the house I need. Money will get me all the medical treatment I need. Money and money and money. The deceitfulness of riches is the problem, my, the problem in my life is because I don't have enough money. That's deceit. And so because of that, instead of seeking God, instead of going to God with the things that are, we are struggling with, we think about how can I get more money? How can I get my hands on more money? And they compete. It's a compromised heart. And this third one, desires for other things. It's okay to have desires, right? In a different religion, desire is seen as the problem. But in Christianity, we are made to desire. We are to desire after our Creator. We are to desire intimacy with Him and His creation. But the problem is desiring things that we shouldn't desire or desiring the things we should desire but taking them the wrong way. How did the first sin and act of disobedience begin? It began with desire. That fruit looks good. I want to be like God. I want to know God, good and evil. Even though God said, this is not for me. I desire it, and they took it. Be careful of what you desire. Examine the scriptures so that you may know that it is a godly desire. If you have a godly desire, make sure you then access that also in a godly way. Right? So young men, it's a godly thing to desire a wife. Right? But access that marriage also in a godly way. And we get to the last soil. Those that were sown on the good soil, it's not hard, it's not shallow, it's not full of thorns. And so the seed sinks in deep and there is fruit. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. It is a humble and receptive heart. You cannot tell from the outside, right? You cannot tell from the outside who has a humble and receptive heart. And I'm sure in your short journey as a church, you have been surprised by who has come to be humble and receptive to the gospel in your community. As we get to the end of this passage, as we look to this, I want to make three points as to how we apply this today. Firstly, firstly, listen. If you have a hard heart, then you need to keep listening to the word. 
so that you may receive the good news. If you have a shallow heart, you need to listen to the word so that you may receive it with joy that it may take root and take deep roots. If you have a compromised and thorny heart, you need to hear the gospel so that you may receive the word. If you have a good heart, you must keep hearing the word. We don't get sick of and we don't outgrow the gospel. We need to keep hearing it because it's not just different types of people that we see in this story with different hearts. I'm sure you can tell by now that even within yourself, there are times when you're hard-hearted. There are times when you are shallow-hearted. There are times when your heart is compromised. And there are times when your heart is humble and receptive. Why do we need to keep hearing the gospel? Because this leads to our second point. We believe that we have a God who is at work and working on our hearts. If your heart is humble and receptive, pray that God continues to keep your heart humble and receptive. But if your heart is full of thorns, then we must pray that this God in his grace will pull out those thorns. If our heart is shallow, we must pray that God will be at work hitting upon our heart so that its shallowness is removed with softness. And if our heart is resistant and hard, and you may know people like this, it's not going to take eloquence. It's not going to take an amazing sermon. But the God who made them can hit that heart, break through that tough exterior and lay open the good soil that would be ready to receive. The truth is, even the most resistant can hear the gospel and find salvation in Jesus. What a wonderful, I've said this I think every time I've come here, what a wonderful location you have. But particularly during this season, on a Sunday when Chatswood Chase closes at 5 p.m. And so they finish their shopping and they walk down and they hear the music and literally suddenly, maybe I'll just check it out. And all it will take could be a friendly face saying, would you like to come in for our service today? And they'll sit inside. And maybe unknown to anybody but God, that is the day that salvation comes to them. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing to see again and again? And so we must be the ones, if we are in Christ who now also sow into those who have not been sown. Because you and I, 
have the privilege of hearing the gospel again and again throughout the different pages and portions of scripture as we gather as God's people we will be constantly hearing this good news and what a wonderful thing that is but for some they have not been sown into and just like God asked Isaiah who will go for me who will be the ones who sow into them to sow the word into them so to summarize one more time let us listen let us truly be listening every time let us do what we can to not be distracted and not just listen by hearing noise but truly listening so that we would retain what god has revealed two let us keep praying that god will be at work on my heart on your neighbor's heart and thank god for working on our heart in the first place so that we could come to hear and respond to the gospel and thirdly may we be a church that sows into those who have not been sown church let us come to god in reflection and prayer this evening if there's anything today that you have heard that you need to take to God about, I encourage you to now talk to him, pray. Ask him. If there's something in your heart that you know God needs to work on, ask him tonight to work on it. Let's pray.